Have you ever felt a nudge inside, like from your heart or your gut? And it's just your intuition just calling you and you actually listen and follow it. Or maybe you've just fantasized about hitting the pause button on your life and taking some time on your own to explore the world. (laughs) Sounds kind of like an eat, pray, love moment, doesn't it? Well, let me introduce you to your real life, Elizabeth Gilbert, Jean Sheridan. I'm telling you the moment I saw Jean's post in a Facebook group, I was like, I want to know this woman and hear everything about her story. So today, Jean and I talk about trusting yourself, trying new things, forging a path where no one has gone before, and the most important piece, how to stay with yourself every step of the way. I wish I had known Jean in my 20s because I'm telling you, having someone around like her who inspires you to live bigger is a guarantee that life will be full and fulfilling and fun. Mm. So let's fill up on Jean and Mai's conversation, and I'll see you in a minute. Hey, it's Vicki Smith. Welcome to Power to the Pleasers podcast. Want to start doing things on your terms and finally feel confident just being yourself in relationships? Well, you've landed in the right place. Here we break down your people-pleasing and perfectionistic patterns so you can move from being polite and doing it right to showing up, speaking up, and even laughing it up with people. Not sure it's possible? Well, stick around, friend. I'll show you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. All right. So we are rocking and rolling with guests. And today we have Jean Sheridan. And as the world is today, um, we met through um, sort of an online matchmaking podcast therapist (laughs) Facebook group. (laughs) Um, As much as I hate to admit it, um, those things do work. And you do get to hang out with um, cool people. So we have just spent time chatting and realized like, oh, we might want to hit the record button because some of this stuff is really good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anyway, Jean, welcome. I am going to just let you give us a a short, informal, um, hey, this is who I am introduction. And then we're going to dive in because we've already basically started the show before um, anybody else joined us. So Tell us where you are and what you do. All right. Well, thank you, Vicki. Thank you for having me here. Um, So physically speaking, I am currently located in Central Florida. And um, career speaking, I am a, I call myself a well-being coach. I'm a certified professional coach. um, And I do, I do both groups and I do a lot of corporate workshops on uh, stress management, um, burnout prevention, just lots of different topics. And then I do, most of my coaching is corporate clients who have it as a um, benefit. So their company pays for it and they get to utilize it for free. I would say that's the bulk of my work, but then I also have, you know, private, private clients who book with me. And I love the work. I absolutely, <laughs> it fills me up like, like nothing else. And helping people, I always say baby step forward. That's mm-hmm. my mantra. And helping them to baby step forward, um, to, to, to break through those fears that they might have. Right. And you know, I think we were talking earlier about the mind-body connection and our nervous system, yes. right? Allowing our nervous system to catch up <laughs> to where our mind wants to go. Right. I love that you're doing that with corporate folks. Um, I haven't ever branched into that um, that group of people, but I do see a ton of um, sort of insecure high achievers, right? Anxious high achievers who hit the perfectionist and people pleasing check boxes. So 
Um, I love hearing that companies actually promote that well-being, as you're saying, um, within their employees. And, you know, I when I was looking at your website and just reading the the amount of experience you have, I imagine that bringing that experience to those folks is very helpful. Like I was letting you know before we hit record that, you know, you've talked about emotional intelligence and then somatic or body work um, as, you know, somatic is what we call it in the biz. Um, and emotional freedom technique, and um, you've done yoga stuff. And so there's just human design, which I'm a little envious of because I just got um, my human design chart read. I'm a, I'm a manifester generator. And so maybe so am we'll... I. Oh, so my I... goodness. Hello, lady. Virtual yes. fist bump. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was fascinating. So I just look at that list of experience and wealth of knowledge you have. And I imagine that um, meeting with folks in the corporate world is like, they're thirsty for what you can offer them. So I'm glad that you are part of their evolution as a human being, but then <laughs> to <laughs> infiltrate the corporate world with some of that humanness. Yeah. And also, you know, not everything fits for everybody. So oh, yeah. having that huge bag full of tools, then I can bring a tool, the tool that best works for that particular person. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And the small steps, you know, as much as we're we've always been fast paced, but I think as much as we're bombarded with information now, just that pulling back because mindfulness, right? Mindfulness is in both of our, um, our uh, wheelhouses too. And slowing down and figuring out, you know, where do I want to go or what am I actually working with before we start to step forward? I, I personally think, and you might, um, give me a little shout out with that to you. But I personally think that's really the only way to make change so that you don't freak out your nervous system and do a bunch of stuff that doesn't stick, you know? Yes. And, and that mindfulness, that, that being right here, right now, right? That right here, right now, what do I need? What are my priorities? Mm -hmm. What do I value? Right. Right. And then, where am I spending my resources, time, <laughs> money, all of that? Is that really what I value? Or am mm -hmm. I doing it because I was trained, I was conditioned yeah. to believe that that is what I'm supposed to do? Yeah, absolutely. Just a, a, a side note here. After my bicycle trip, I know we haven't. We haven't yes, we are going to talk about that. That is one of the reasons why I was like, <laughs> please come on and talk. <laughs> But when I finished my trip and I and I was back in upstate New York, um, I went to the university there and I said, there is this thing. This was 1983. And I said, there is this thing, mind, body, spirit. And I want to study. <laughs> I want to study it. And I really had to fight with them. And they said, prove it to us. Um, and they said, we'll give you four college credits. Prove to us that this is a legitimate direction to go. And so I did. And they came back and they said, okay, and we'll give you six credits for the work that you did on this. I have chills right now. I did not know that. And I feel like you are a pioneer for this. Like I, like I almost have tears in my eyes, right? Like that is so important to me. The mind body connection way to go. What I, I did have at the time was the self esteem. Well, I sort of had self esteem and confidence, you know, but I didn't I didn't comprehend what it meant to be in the cutting edge of something because nobody around you. You get a lot yes. of people rolling their eyes and telling you you're wrong. And I, I was at a, a a family gathering right around that time, and I was telling this woman who I saw as 
having her act together and she was in mm-hmm. corporate America and I was sharing this and she said, oh, that is never going to fly. In <laughs> Get your head out of the clouds. It, it was, you know, that sort of constant thing. Mm-hmm. And, but there was something deeper in me that kept pulling or pushing me in that direction. Perfect segue. Okay. So thank you for that. You're so good. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I wanted you to come on and talk is because you were talking in this group. I can't even remember whatever what group it was, but doesn't matter. Here we are together, and that was the that was the point of it. Um, you were talking about getting out of your comfort zone and having fun, and um, you mentioned taking it was a solo bike tour, right? Yes. yes. And I had just had one of my college best friends do a solo tour across the country and meet the rest mm-hmm. of our my college girls who always get together for um, for a while in the summer. Had she drove and met us in Montana, and we were just so cheering her on for doing this trip on her own, right? And so it's just really been something that's I've been I've earmarked as like a solo journey, doing something out of your comfort zone, um, experiencing things and having your own back, having fun. But then also, I think there was part of your story that was what prompted you to do this. Um, And that's what some of what you've, you know, been talking about just now is listening inside, Mm -hmm. right? Knowing that something fits for you and following that lead when there might not be any path paved in front of you. So I'm just going to stop talking and however you might want to respond to any of that, that is why I wanted you to come on because it was just inspiring to me. And I just wanted to pick it apart, talk about it, riff on it, whatever we can do. All right. Sounds sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. I think, you know, the comment that you just made about coming back to our center, right? Pausing. And what I realize now, and I certainly didn't realize when I was younger, is that I am a bushwhacker. Oh. You know? I'm just a bushwhacker. And so I did spend some time hiking and one of the things when you're lost out in the middle of the woods and you don't know what direction you stop, you Mm. stop and you survey your surroundings. (sighs) You might need to rest for a bit. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's a key piece of coming back to that and then observing what's going on around us. So at the time I was working as an x-ray tech, um, and the reason I chose that field is that I, I didn't understand the world. It was 1975 <laughs> and I had to, you know, I needed, as my mother would say, well, you need to find something to do so you have it before you get married. I mean, that, gotcha. that was sort of right. And, and so in two years, I knew I could be an x-ray technician. I could go live wherever I wanted in, in mm-hmm. the country And I wanted to figure out what life was all about. Mm. So I found myself in Austin, Texas. I really did not like x-ray. Never. I didn't like it from the beginning, but I didn't know well enough to say, oh, move on. Mm -hmm. I was living in Austin, Texas. Love Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. I was palling around with a buddy and we were eating lots of barbecue and going (laughs) to hear live music. I was in heaven. I blew the the engine in my car and I had an old bike that probably weighed 75 pounds. Wow. So I found somebody who could fix the car at their pace, but in a way that I could afford. Um, And so I started commuting back and forth to work on my bicycle. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh my, this child within me (laughs) blossomed. I was, I loved it. And there were some real jerks on the road. I had beers, full cans of beers thrown at me, you know, comments made. 
And yet, as scary and frustrating as that was, there was something about every time I got on that bicycle. Mm. And there felt like such a childhood freedom that yep. I didn't quite ever remember experiencing. Mm-hmm. So, so there was that. And then I had another buddy from high school. We had always said that we would travel the country together. And First of all, let me just, let me sure. just tell you, I was, I missed out on hanging out with you. Like I really needed you and your buddies <laughs> in my life. I love my high school friends. I still talk to them and see them. And, and yeah, like what you're talking about, I'm like the jealousy meter is just going up and up and up. So just, I just had to tell you like, dang. Yeah. I was just fortunate. It just, it was, it was, you know, sometimes people are put in front of us and then at the time we don't really get it. And, yeah. and it's not until afterwards, it's like, oh, that was really significant. So anyway, this buddy's off in the Peace Corps. And he sends me, you know, because we kept in touch through mail and he has malaria and he is in the hospital and he has fallen in love with his nurse and he has asked his nurse to marry him. Oh my gosh. So I'm not interested in him romantically. I <laughs> never had any interest in him romantically, but, and maybe that's why we were good buddies because I didn't have mm-hmm. to worry about that. Um, so there I am. My car has a blown engine. I'm working in a field that I'm bored and miserable. And now the person I was going to escape with is no longer available. I see. And so often what happens is we focus on those things that are out of our control. Yes. Right? We become just like, if that thing would just be different. And so it was, I want, it was right around my birthday. And Bruce Springsteen was in town. And I, of course, I bought myself a ticket. I, I believe the album was The River. I bought myself a ticket. I rode my bicycle down mm-hmm. to the convention center. And I'm sitting there. And it was just, it was just this spark of insight. And I have lots, I'm really good at brainstorming. I'm probably mm-hmm. too good at brainstorming. It can it can send me, really scatter me. There's a difference between that and that spark of insight. Totally. It's it's uh, more grounded in your body. It, to me, I think it's my abdomen. It's like this something clicks. Mm-hmm. And so I'm at this concert and this thing clicks of, you could ride your bike across the country. <laughs> like and you know i don't know was i 25 20 uh-huh. i didn't know what but i knew when that thing clicks i knew enough to pay attention to yes thankfully and yes yes and was i a naive you betcha <laughs> um did i learn a lot yep and i'm so grateful i did so grateful. Took me about eight months of preparing, saving oh, okay. up money. Oh yeah, I, I had to. I had to save up money. I needed to buy a new bicycle because the seventy pound seventy five pound bicycle wasn't going to cut it. I yes. needed to learn about how do you do this, and then sort of have some idea of the route. Mm-hmm. And that took just about eight months to pull it all together, like a pregnancy. That's exactly how I have always looked at it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to that from the time of those, those, whatever I called it earlier, (laughs) um, where we connect to actually the incubation period. Yes. And so often I don't think we're comfortable with that incubation period because it's not happening fast enough. No, no. There's that, but there's so many pieces of your story. And I, you know, for people pleasers and perfectionists, um, I was kind of joking with myself as I was thinking about um, what we were going to talk about. And it is such an eat, pray, love kind of story, right? Mm -hmm. And it it kind it might seem like, well, that's just, 
that's a story, you know, and yes, um, you know, oh my gosh, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love? Elizabeth Gilbert. Elizabeth um, Gilbert. Yes, like she is actually a real person and we know that, but, you know, who else do we know that's not famous that has done something like this? And so for people pleasers and perfectionists, it can feel like this is something I could never do, or this is like really, really out of my comfort zone. But here you are, you're talking about doing it. And there's so many things in here. Like I might have permanent goosebumps from like, I'm not kidding you. Like right now, like they've just stuck since you've been talking, Mm -hmm. but you, you heard it, you heard it, you felt it. And it is your intuition, the spark, the thing that fits for you, the thing that's the next right thing for you. You listened and then you took the time to prepare for it. So not only was it, well, it's mind body, but not only was it like, oh my gosh, I got to do this. And you didn't just urgently launch yourself into something. You also grounded yourself in your intuition and your wisdom before you did this thing that in that moment might have felt right. But then your mind could have been like, how the hell are we going to do this? So it's like you've got both of your mind and your body on board. It's such a beautiful story. And you have just given me an insight because I have been so jealous of Elizabeth Gilbert and I haven't (sighs) been able to put my finger on it. And when you said it's such an eat, pray, love story, and I went, oh, my God. It's because mm-hmm. I have these stories, but I'm not a prolific. Plur- can't say that word. Prolific. Thank you. I still can't say it today. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're here for. We're here to That's, do what the other person isn't. isn't That's doing. right. <laughs> um, you know, I'm just not a prolific. That word, writer. And, but that's, yes, that I do have a story to tell and that I'm not, I'm not a big in your face kind of person. It's not my style. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, also there's something that's been lingering in me that I projected onto the story when I first read it and we first started talking about you coming on and talking about it and that's self-trust. And so, okay, so you're not a prolific writer. So you're not out there in front of people. But do you feel like you've trusted what your path has been as this has been, as you went through this experience and as numerous other experiences have followed it, as I'm sure through your bushwhacking um, take on things? I think it's taken me a long time to trust, um, trust my path. It's easy Mm -hmm. to get outward focused and compare myself to, I will say Elizabeth Gilbert or whoever Mm -hmm. else, right? And when I compare myself to any of whatever, it could be a friend on Facebook. Yes. I am never going to measure up. I'm never going to, whatever it is. And so it's this constant coming back to the truth of who I am. And we talked about human design and I, Mm -hmm. and, and when I, I did a deep dive into that because Mm -hmm. when I first was introduced to it, it really explained to me my direct, my direct experience of so many different things. It's like, Oh, that makes Oh, I get that. That makes sense. And then the mind-body piece, I allowed that my body to sort of say, yes, this is the next right thing, like listening to my body and then utilizing the mind. I love the mind. I think our brains are incredible. Mm -hmm. Using the mind to help me execute that. Yes. And I think many of us are taught the opposite. I'm right there with you. Keep going. 
and and it does at least for me it didn't work i chose x-ray as and that was not a good i i wasn't able to listen to my body back then mm-hmm. so i think the older i've gotten the more i can trust it and and i think that's one of the reasons why i love to coach so much predominantly women but not always mm-hmm. and to help them see those those little grains of truth. Yes. What's the little grain of truth that you can believe and accept and move forward from there? Do you mind if I give you credit for the little grain of truth and talk about it on some other place? Because I don't know, that feels really resonant with me, that little grain of truth. Okay. All right. I'm writing it down because I have a, 50 year old brain, but, um, yeah, that's, you're speaking my language. It is a, it is a little gold mine in here, right. With those little grains of truth in different places and different, um, pointing to my body (laughs) because you can see me, but other people can't. Um, and I just, I feel like we mine for those or we mm-hmm. want those so badly to be, um, to help us feel confident, to help us feel clear. But we mine, M I N E, like we mine for gold is what I'm saying. Yes. Like we mine for those through our mind, through our brains. And there's just too much noise up there. There's too much that we're taking in and processing and making sense of. But this thing below, you know, the neck is, like you said, it's something in your, in your abdomen. It's a feeling. And I think most of us have had at least one experience where we've felt that click, that connection, that, um, that space of this is right. And there's no doubt. Mm -hmm. There's no noise. Yes. That's. It's like everything gets really quiet. Because mm-hmm. then the brain hasn't, it's like, now, if we, if we, did, we dwell on it in sort of a negative way, the brain can come in and get all kinds of freaked out and anxious sure. and fear and focus, right? But in that moment, if you just hold space and allow, it's like this little bud. Yes. It's wanting to blossom forward. And the brain's job is to figure out how to help it blossom forward. Right. Not keep pulling down the the pedals and going, is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? Yes. You know? Yeah. That's um that's really a helpful image too. And I don't know how to pronounce this person, but it's like Anise Nin or something like that. I'm, yes, I'm familiar with, I read her stuff in high school. Yes. And you know, the quote about like, basically there's a bud. She says it, of course, in her, um, in her poetic way, because that's what she does or she did. I don't even know. <laughs> She's still with us living. <laughs> I don't think I'll she look that time. up. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, there comes a time when the protection of the bud, the tightness of the bud is just too much. And we just have to experience the kind of the fear. This is my Vicky butchering the whole thing. So look it up or I'll put it in the show notes. Um, we just have to open up. We have to get vulnerable. We have to expose what we've held so tightly and protected in order to move forward in order to, you know, so it's expansive. Um, but I think part of doing that, part of doing that successfully is the baby steps. Yes. Is really, you know, when I think about my bicycle trip, I, I you know, when I think about the baby steps, first I bought way too many maps, way okay. too many maps. And I probably joined AAA and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I was just pouring over all kinds of maps. And then I bought a uh, a bike rack that I could put, um, they call them panniers, they're bike bags. Mm-hmm. And I had my old biology and physics books and all of those. And I would put those in the bags. So when I was commuting back and forth to work, 
I had uh-huh. to wait. Yes. Right? So these baby steps. And then when I first, um, a woman I was working with was heading out to New Mexico. And she said, I can drive you to New Mexico. Because I was really clear that I was not willing to cycle through the deserts. Oh, yes. Really clear about that. And I was living in Texas at the time. So um, so I said, okay. Drove with her to, can't read, I was outside of Taos. And there was a loop that I could do in two days. And so I said, so this was, this was still a baby step and I'm, I'm here. Uh-huh. And the first day was eight hours all uphill. Oh my like, gosh. What are you nuts? You know, although day two was almost entirely down. So, <laughs> you know, but I said to her, meet up with me at this campsite in two nights. And I will let you know if I'm going back to Texas with you. Nice. Or I'm moving forward on this trip. Way to go. And the first day was awful, right? Because it was all, and I had this vague memory of a dog following me. Um, mm-hmm. But it just, and, the, and day two was amazing. And my brothers had said to me as I was planning this trip, he said, remember that when you're in having the worst days, stop and say to yourself, is this still better than what I was doing? Yeah. And the answer was always yes. Nice. But but right up to the very end, it was still baby steps. I could say, no, this, this is bigger than I can handle. I like that. That reminds me of self-compassion, really. You know, it's just walking with yourself and knowing... Like I imagine each morning as you wake up, there might be a little trepidation or there might be a little excitement and then you get through it and you're like, I'm hungry or I'm tired or my legs hurt and you're talking and walking yourself through that Mm -hmm. and then you get to a downhill and then it's just all a journey, right? But at the end of the day, you're like, okay, so that was what today was like and you were present with yourself as much as possible, I'm sure. Um, as you went through it. And then let me sleep on this and decide tomorrow morning where I'm going to go with it. Um, Yeah. You know, I wish you would write something. I know the story Mm -hmm. might sound like it's already been written, but just even for yourself to honor that part of you that really went through that because, you know, I was, I was throwing some things out to you about what we could talk about and, Um, I said something about, you know, authenticity and confidence and self-worth and goals and marks of achievement. And, um, I think you've hit those, you know, just in what you just said is the confidence to go through the first day, you know, the ability to, well, self-worth, you know, might come at the end of the day after you've gotten through it, but just the, the, the connection you had with yourself, even if it was really unconscious or subconscious. And and I think that's it, it that it really was unconscious. Um, but that there was some, I think when I, when I look at values and priorities, adventure is yes. important to me and it doesn't have to be big, huge adventure. Okay. Granted the bicycle trip probably was, but, mm-hmm. but that it's not, um, the confidence, the confidence maybe was more, I loved bicycle riding. Mm-hmm. I wanted to figure out what this world was all about because it wasn't making sense to me. Yeah. And, and so I think those two things together, uh, and I wasn't rich. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think I had a budget like of five dollars a day. Yeah. So, so it was like, okay, how do I make this work? And for me, the self worth piece, I I can't hang my hat hat on self worth. When I think about self worth, it is not something I can grab a hold of. I can't ground myself. And I spent years and years and years working on building my self-worth. Yep. That's not for me. Um, it has self-worth has come out of 
grounding into the places of confidence and those, those points of truth for me. And I was a people pleaser for years and years and years. And it was, it was that slowly breaking out of that because we talk about our best friends and all of that, but in truth, our mind and our body should be best friends. Right. Right. And so how do they show up for each other? Right. Yeah. That's why I love internal family systems work. It has that ability to help us conceive of the mind as, as separate, we'll just say, and the body as another piece. And are they in a tug of war with each other? Um, or are you only sort of prioritizing what the mind has to say and the body is all the time just kind of raising its hand in the meeting <laughs> and never gets called on until it's like, um, by the way, we have an ulcer now. See, I've been trying to get your all's attention. So, um, yeah. 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 And learning that because we are so conditioned from a very young age to to show up a certain way, whether it's in school, in our family, in our culture, in our gender. Right. Right. All of those. And that may not be aligned with with the authenticity of who we really are. Right. And as we were talking to you earlier before we um before we even scheduled to do, you know, this together. You had said something and it really stuck out for me. And it was, this is how I operate and I don't have to apologize for it. Right. And as you just said, I used to be a people pleaser. And my take on that, I will hold because it's not important what my take on on that is. But can you just talk about how that sentence just came out? This is how I operate and I don't have to apologize for it. Like what? What's helped create that truth for you and that authenticity? Um, I think the experiences, the bicycle ride, my experience of deciding to go back to school, right, in this in this field that didn't exist. Yes. <laughs> having, having those sort of experiences. Um, but I think the thing that broke me, if you will, mm-hmm. um, I, I had started a new job and the reason I, I was excited about the particular job is that it was going to give me some level of freedom and flexibility, which is mm-hmm. something that's important to me. And I became a caregiver six months later. Huh. And I was a caregiver for about 12 years. Oh my gosh. And working full time in another career, another job that really wasn't, I mean, now I go, oh, that really wasn't suited for me in so many other ways. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, it allowed me to be the caregiver I needed to be and to show up. Okay. But that burnt me out mm. to a crisp. And while I was doing that work, and it wasn't a, in, it wasn't work within the mind, body, spirit stuff, because that work was hard to come by. It right. certainly was back then. Um, and so it felt like I was always showing up for everybody else. Yeah. I was doing for everybody else. I am grateful that I was there for my aunt. I don't want, I still get teary-eyed. That was, this is a woman who took me to my very first doctor's appointment. She had been a significant person in my life. I am grateful that I was able to be there and show up for her and support her in her end of life journey. Wow. But it was brutal. And it burnt me out in a way that I am still processing. And so I think that really went well. And I remember I was at a a yoga class and I was crying and, you know, grieving. And this woman said to me, well, if, if you're so sad about this, why don't you go adopt a child? (laughs) You know, the, I don't even want to take care of a pet right now. (laughs) cannot comprehend having to take care of anybody else because right now I don't even know how to take care of myself. I don't know who I am. And it was, 
it was a little bit before that that I said, I really want to focus on coaching. How do I, as as I get older? Um, so I think those two things together, like really owning a lot of the memes that are out there, they're cute, they're lovely, but I mm-hmm. need a deeper dive. Yeah, you know, yeah. it does it doesn't penetrate. And and so it was really, what does that mean to me? What does that mean to live in authenticity? Where is where is the truth? Yeah. And really doing a deep dive. And there's a whole lot of stuff where I had to go, nope, not that, nope, not that, nope, not that. In improv, and I know we didn't yeah. <laughs> get into that. We didn't get to improv, which is brilliant, yes. But one of the things in improv is follow the yes. Yep. Doesn't mean that we say yes to everything. But where is, I think we're always going to have limitations in our life, right? Mm-hmm. And And we can focus on those limitations and not get anywhere. Or we can say, okay, well, where's that crack in the concrete, Mm -hmm. right? Where is that? Where is the yes? And follow that forward. Um, I just, so during the pandemic, obviously I couldn't do any more performance and we didn't, we didn't address that. And so it was pivot again. And the pivot actually happened before, had started before the pandemic, again, because I was following it. So during Mm -hmm. the pandemic, I began to do a lot of painting and and I hired an art coach to really to work one on one with me to look at each piece of art. Why does it work? Why doesn't it work? Where do I take it? Uh And I ended up having 12 pieces of art in seven different galleries. I think it was this. I don't know if it was last summer. That was never on my bucket list. I'm not a bucket list person. It was. I went to, right before we went into shutdown, about two months before, I started to go to a gallery, a local gallery, and taking my artwork. So rewind a little bit, because I started doing art as, as a meditation. Yeah. Right? That was that was where it was born out of. And then over time, it was like, you know what? Maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something more, and that mm-hmm. people would enjoy. Because mm-hmm. it so started just, as just for you. Yes without any pressure of performance or yes, right. And then I decided to go and I was terrified. I will tell you, I was more terrified taking my art to a critique than I ever was about a bicycle trip. (sighs) Terrified. It's always the things that come out of left field that were like, (laughs) yep. what, What is this about? But I had learned that courage is walking through fear right that's all courage is and so yeah. it's that baby steps again yes. i know yeah 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 and i um i have a lot of respect for your story and where what you've tried and what you said yes to and what you've said no to and i and it's also inspiring, right? I mean, honestly, it's inspiring. Maybe you can't, you don't want to be like, yes, my story is inspiring, but I will tell you it is inspiring. Um, I just think that so many of us live pretty tightly and pretty protected. And mm-hmm. um, we want these giant leaps. We want to just like take our arm and just close clear the whole table off and start over and make ourselves a better version and these small steps and these trying things on and these hearing you know the the body talk to us and following it and also honoring the mind and what it needs to be and how it needs to be part of the process it's just a I think, you know, I'm glad that people get to work with you. I'm glad that you're not an x-ray tech, right? And so that this isn't just staying in your personal warehouse, that you actually are using it and helping other folks 
recognize that they can get there too in their own way, um, based on their own um, body wisdom. So I'm glad. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on here. And that, you know, it's not a quick fix. I think that's... Oh, damn it. It's not a a (laughs) 12-week, you know, it's, it's, it takes time and patience and perseverance and understanding what we value. Yeah. The values thing is such, I'll just, I'll just make a quick say about that. Like I remember taking a Brene Brown course Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she, you know, it was look at these four pages of values and don't get overwhelmed with it. Cause you know, it's the way Brene Brown presents anything and just pulling out 10 words, 20 words, then honing it and then honing it. And I don't think it's just a, an interesting exercise. I really believe that those are like the four corners of our foundation and some of them have little branches off of them. You know, like we could say like, I value honesty and it's like, okay, but keep going with that. Right. Like what is, what is in that so that you can own it. Um, So values isn't just a, Oh, what do you value? Like here, like pick these things off the list. It really is a whole journey to, to notice that this is how, this is what I have been valuing. This is how I've been making decisions. And is that in alignment with what words I pick off this list? If I was really honest. Mm-hmm. So, and doing that, that. Deep, doing that deeper dive underneath. So people will often say, I value money. Well, right. why, right? What's underneath, what's the why underneath that? Is it just mm-hmm. money for the sake of, and, and really doing a deeper dive to explore that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I will also say one last thing. It's hard to value creativity and freedom <laughs> <laughs> in this particular world in the United States. Well, yeah, it's, it's so I can value it, right? And so making time, um, making time for that in my life, even if that's not the thing that brings in the income. Right. My bicycle trip didn't bring in any. Well, <laughs> you know, I stopped. I painted a house. Um, which is <laughs> Please write this story or do something with it, please. <laughs> Maybe you are giving me you are giving me the impetus to do that, to, to really. Uh, I have been playing around with it in my mind. Like, what what's the point? Why? What is it the guy have to say to people? What? Like, you know. But maybe it is. It's about inspiring, and 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 you don't have to be you don't have to be a Brene Brown or Elizabeth Gilbert or or Oprah. Wonderful, but that's not on my bucket list. That's not. It's about right here, right now. What's inspiring to me? What's what's my next growth? What's my next growing edge? Yeah, yeah. I see and you I know looking that- at me. I know that there's at least 99 other people besides Mm -hmm. myself. So you have an audience of 100, I'm sure, that will be like, what else does she have to say about this? Oh, my God, what's the next thing? You know, Mm -hmm. so I'm I'm beta testing your idea right here, right now. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you for that encouragement, because that's part of it as we all grow forward. Having those support systems that 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 say that, like, oh, your story is inspiring, because it's not inspiring. I guess it's inspiring to me, but you know what I mean. Yeah. To get that affirmation right. of like, oh, maybe people do want to hear it. Yes. And I, I even if you have an N of one, I'm that one. Like, keep talking about it. So, oh, um, so. Thank you. Okay. So I know we're going to put all the stuff like we always do in podcasts and the show notes, but just tell us how do people get in touch with you and you do work with people outside of the corporate world. Yep. Um, and 
yeah, are you on other podcasts? Do you have an email list? Do you do a blog? Like, maybe this is the beginning of any of that. <laughs> but for the time being, what have you got to throw out at people right now as okay. we close? Probably the best and easiest way is my website, which is www.coachingwithgene.com. Coachingwithgene.com. You can go there. You can check out more about me. Um, and then you just send a request that you want a book. And I'm frequently off. I frequently offer specials mm -hmm. and I frequently offer um, discounts or, or sliding scales because, because my coach gave that to me when I couldn't nice. afford it. Yeah. And, and some of my most favorite clients have been clients who haven't been able to afford, um, yes. you know, the full payment. So, yeah. And I don't have any packages right now because I want people to make the decision each time, you know, the next right. baby step, what's the next baby step? What's the next intention? Yes. Um, so that's, they reach out to me and they can let me know how long I, I suggest an hour for the first session. And then oftentimes clients will only book 30 minutes after that. Depending. Okay. Yep. Yeah. 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 Nice. I'm so glad we got to talk. Time flew. Yes. And I feel filled up by our conversation and I know other people will too. So if you ever get in a little roundabout with yourself and you feel like I'm not choosing an exit and going anywhere, just text me, email me, call me. And I'll be like, Oh my God, there was this thing we did not talk about when we talked, go with that. <laughs> Well, and I feel like we could have multiple podcasts. So if you're ever in oh. need of, you know, yes, you can always reach out and we can, we can take it in a different direction. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Improv is something that is dear to my heart. I had some of the best belly laughs doing an improv class with a friend of mine. And um, so I love, I love the, the principles, if you will, of improv. Mm -hmm. I think they're applicable to life big time so all right we'll close all for right. now and thank you so much and um everybody just check out all that stuff below figuring out how you want to work with Jean because I know you're going to be like all right I don't want to wait for her to write a book so uh, <laughs> how do I just get her gems of wisdom now okay I'll see you all guys right, next time yes thank you so much bye-bye bye, -bye. bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If this has been helpful for you, I'd so appreciate it if you could take a moment and just rate and review, and then others might be able to find us more easily. And please also share with friends that could use this information too. Okay, thanks again, and I look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the future. Take care.